1: Today, we are speaking with Dr. Emily McCobb. Dr. McCobb is director of the Tufts Shelter Medicine Program. She is also director of the Luke and Lily Lerner Spay-Neuter Clinic and the Center for Shelter Dogs, assistant director of the Tufts Center for Animals and Public Policy, and a clinical associate professor of anesthesiology at the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine. As program director, she supervises the on-campus spay-neuter clinic, which serves over 2,000 animals per year, as well as all Cummings veterinary students. In the hospital, she supervises students and veterinary trainees in small animal anesthesia. As track leader for the animals and community track at the center, Dr. McCobb works to support community programs at the Cummings School and assisted in opening the Tufts at Tech community veterinary clinic. She completed a fellowship at the Tisch College of Civic Engagement in 2012 and holds a secondary appointment at Tisch College. The mission of the Tufts Shelter Medicine Program is to teach veterinary students best practices of surgery and medicine while sensitizing students to the needs of underserved animals. The program also provides opportunities for veterinary students to give back to their communities and to engage in service learning. Dr. McCobb mentors veterinary and graduate students for clinical work and for animal welfare-related research projects. Her published works cover the topics of shelter animal welfare and animal cruelty as well as clinical anesthesia. She recently served on the panel which revised the 2008 ASV spay-neuter guidelines at the request of the Association of Shelter Veterinarians Task Force to Advance Spay-Neuter. Dr. McCobb is a 2000 graduate of the Cummings School at Tufts University and completed a rotating small animal internship at Angel Memorial Animal Hospital. She obtained a Master's of Animals and Public Policy also from Tufts in 2002 and completed a residency in anesthesiology and pain management in 2006. She's a board-certified veterinary anesthesiologist. Dr. McCobb, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So I was just wondering, how did you get started? Well, you know, I'm
0: involved mostly in the spay-neuter side of things, and I was thinking back to when it was I got started, and I remembered that as a veterinary student, I had actually volunteered for TNR clinics, both with MRFRS and at Alliance for Animals in Boston. So the very first time I got involved was helping cats getting ready for surgery at the clinic.
1: And how did you become aware of these Sunday spay-neuter clinics? I graduated from veterinary school
0: 16 years ago. And so I think at the time, PNR maybe wasn't quite as common around here as it is now. So I think there was always need for volunteers. And veterinary students make great volunteers because they're always looking for ways to get experience. So we just got involved and help out.
1: When you first started, you obviously did tremendous education and schooling. Did you have any key mentors that helped guide you in your interest with Community Cats? For community cats, it was a little bit more serendipitous, but I would say my interest in cat welfare came out in
0: grad school, and I worked with Dr. Gary Petronic, really, as one of my mentors. But getting involved in the community here was really through getting to know you and getting to know Ann lindsay at MAC, and when I was in graduate school, Lindsay had helped me up with Jan Beckwith a second-chance fund for animal welfare, and they were looking for a veterinarian, so I did part-time work helping them with their physical exams. And that's where I first got involved with a group that was really trying to do TNR in a more ongoing way.
1: Can you tell me a bit about the shelter medicine program at the coming School? Sure. So our main mission is to serve our
0: community while helping our veterinary students learn the clinical skills that they need to Excellent veterinarians, so we're really focused on them learning the principles of surgery and medicine. And a lot of times, helping with community animals is a great way to do that. But we also want to serve our local shelter partners, be responsive to our animal welfare community here. And so, when we talk about serving underserved animals, community cats are a huge part. animals that sometimes get left out of traditional veterinary models so we're really about raising awareness of our veterinary students so that they understand the needs of all animals they may encounter.
1: Over the years I've heard some people reference the fact that students may not get a lot of surgical experience with regards to spaying and neutering cats before graduation. Is that something that has changed over the years?
0: Yeah we've really put a lot of effort into trying to increase the exposure that students have here at the Cummings School, we are very proud that we were one of the first schools to do away with terminal surgical training labs. So We don't do any euthanasia of animals or shelter animals to teach students surgery. All the surgery the students learn is done on clinical patients, and that's great from an animal welfare standpoint, but from a giving students hands-on skills, that's actually proved to be a challenge. So, going back to 2008 when our program was founded, we have been putting a lot of effort in increasing the number of surgical exposures. TNR clinics have been a huge part of that for us. It turns out that being part of a TNR clinic in all different aspects um, has been hugely beneficial for teaching students. So what we did was MRFRS actually came down here and trained our staff exactly how they put a clinic together. And then when we first started out, we didn't use students, we just used volunteers from the community. But over the last eight years, we've gradually replaced all of the volunteer stations with veterinary students. And so now we get students involved in the whole process, all the way starting with trapping, where we have students going out with community trappers and learning about that. And they're working their way up to actually doing this thing and neutering. So a veterinary student who comes to our clinic can spay two or three cats while they're there and they can neuter 15 or 20 cats in a day, which doesn't sound like huge numbers, but when we started, students were graduating having just spayed only two dogs. And now our students, when they combine all the experiences they get through our program and through partnering organizations um, around the region, they're graduating, um, our most active students are graduating with 35, 50, sometimes up to 100 surgeries. And we're really finding that it's that repetition that makes the student confident and ready to go. If you're an organization that's looking for a veterinarian or you're a veterinarian that's looking for a new associate, you want to know that that new graduate is ready to go and able to do surgery, that you can trust them to be practice ready. And that's really what we're trying to do.
1: So if you were in high school and you were thinking about becoming a shelter veterinarian, what would you recommend that they do? Should they volunteer at a shelter? Oh, that's a great question.
0: It's hard for kids who are in high school because a lot of organizations don't allow kids to volunteer if they're under 18. But I think anyone who thinks they want to go to vet school or work in sheltering should try to get as much animal experience as they can. So sometimes you'd be allowed to observe or you can help out at a shelter to kind of see how it works. I always tell students that want to go into shelter medicine that first you need to become a great veterinarian and then you can start to gather that shelter experience. But certainly as much time as you put in um, can be helpful. Sometimes people don't always realize what aspect of this work is going to be their fit for them. So if you've never spent a lot of time in the shelter, volunteering is a good way to get to know the organization. There's a lot that can be done behind the scenes. We use high school students in our clinic to do things like wrap packs and, you know, do some of the general cleaning and things. As long as they have an adult supervisor, we're willing to take small groups of high school students to help out. And I think a lot of places are, too.
1: And what makes a student want to enter into shelter medicine rather than being a private practice veterinarian? Well, I think
0: it's, it's still an emerging specialty. You know, when I went to vet school and I graduated 16 years ago, um, it wasn't really considered a viable employment opportunity. I was actually steered away from going into this field. But over the last 10 years, we've seen it really emerge as, as a separate career path. I think for those of us that are motivated by helping the community and helping community animals, shelter medicine can be really rewarding because you get to have that direct animal impact every day and you really feel like you're helping. So I think that's why a lot of people get attracted to it. But there's also things that you do a little bit differently, you know, like in TNR and with community cats, we're always thinking about the health of the community, and disease rates of the population, which is really different than in general practice where your focus is on individual animal health. So sometimes someone's interest in shelter medicine reflects sort of an overall interest in population medicine or public health, which are slightly different disciplines than individual animal health.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about what Tufts at Tech is and how that program is run?
0: Sure. So as part of our efforts to create practice ready veterinarians, we really wanted to increase the training that we do for students to learn primary care skills. Through our TNR clinics and through some of the outreach that we do in the community of Worcester, we've become aware that there are many pets and pet owners in the city of Worcester that weren't receiving access to regular veterinary care, which is something we've seen across the country. But there's a population of pet owners that for financial or cultural or religious reasons, whatever they may be, aren't able to access veterinary care through the normal pathways that we would think of. It may be that as medical care for all of us gets more complicated and more expensive, that the pool of folks that are helped by our traditional models is actually shrinking because less people are able to access those services. So we really wanted to kind of combine those things so that we're serving the community, we're providing a venue where folks that are income qualified can come get care for their animals. And that also gives the students an opportunity to direct the caregiving get a lot of real hands-on experience. Also, Tech is housed at the Worcester Technical High School, and at that school, the high school students are all engaged in various trades. and they have a veterinary assisting program that's actually accredited by the North American Veterinary Technicians Association. And so these high school students get their clinical experience as well by working in our clinic for a portion of their curriculum. So they start out working front desk, answering the phones, bringing clients, And then as they move through their curriculum they get paired with our veterinary students and it's really modeling what we want to see in sort of relationships that are practice which is that you have a care team and so you're valuing all your members of your care team so the veterinary student and the high school student are working together to help the animal and the client so we view it as a wins allows us to demonstrate our values of serving the community and service learning, which means they're getting their core competencies with their hands-on medical and surgical skills while serving the community. And we believe, and we have done a little bit of research to show that the animals that come to our clinic wouldn't receive veterinary care.
1: And now, let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Ready to make a big difference for cats in your community? we've got an exciting opportunity that can jumpstart your efforts. The Community Cats Podcast has launched Community Cats Grants. When you qualify for this innovative program, you'll gain valuable knowledge about how to raise funds for your spay-neuter efforts. Plus, we'll match the funds you raise up to $1,000, doubling your ability to make a difference for cats. Fundraising doesn't have to be scary. We'll be with you every step of the way. Check it out. You can find all of the details on the Community Cats Podcast website, under our education menu. Let's join forces to make the world a better place for community cats. We were talking a little bit before the show about one of your objectives is to raise awareness about community cats amongst, you know, students, the vets, and the techs. Would you like to expand on that a little bit more? Sure.
0: I think the best way I can explain is just to give an example of what used to
1: be the fate
0: of a cat in a trap. So it used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if you brought a cat in a trap or you had a stray cat that, or any cat that didn't have some of the it that didn't appear to be friendly, which we all know, that could be any cat if it's scared and stressed, that cat would be immediately euthanized. But now everybody that works here knows that if you have a cat with an ear tip, that that cat came from somewhere and it's probably doing fine and needs to go back. Where it came from. So now, when a cat comes in a trap or a cat comes in with an ear tip, usually folks will call me and we'll be able to figure out where that cat came from and where it was found. We can provide treatment if it's injured, but as long as it's in good shape, we can get that cat back where it came from. So it's just a huge shift in our understanding that community cats have a place in our society and that they by and large are doing well where they are. They need a little bit of help for us to get spayed and order, mm-hmm. And sometimes we step in and provide medical care. But I would like every veterinarian to be supportive of TNR and to understand the huge difference that it's made. So all of our students learn what an ear tip means. They learn how to run a responsible TNR program. They talk to the trappers. They understand how much the volunteers and trappers really care for these cats. And the students gain a huge amount of respect for the system and for the work that everyone is doing. And then when they become veterinarians, I believe they'll be more open, more supportive of community management of populations. And we can also show them the other side, the impact that it has so that we can go to the shelter and show them what you can do when you have empty cages, how we had such a huge delay in our kitten season this year because of the spay numbers are so high. So we're trying to be real holistic about it. You know, TNR can be a real hot topic in the veterinary community and we certainly have our share of debates on this campus, but by and large, every student gets exposed to some extent about how these programs can be
1: beneficial. From that, then you would say these new students, when they become veterinarians and go into private practice, then they might be able to bring some information into that practice about community cats? Absolutely. I believe that every
0: student, when they graduate here, they at least understand the role that TNR plays. And then we have some students that have volunteered between 15 and 20 cat clinics while they've been veterinary students. So those students understand not only the role of TNR, but they understand the logistics and mechanics. So they know what a well-run clinic should look like. They know what common concerns of trappers might be. They know, obviously, the surgical principles. They understand that they're going to ear tip those cats. And they know how to support cat care takers in their work.
1: Do you feel that private veterinarians should be either offering spay-neuter services for community cats? I'm thinking maybe in the areas that can't support a high-volume clinic.
0: Well, I think the role of every veterinarian is to care for the animals in your community. And obviously, every practice is going to be different as far as who they're trying to serve. But we know... In New England, that there are a lot of towns where they may not have a big organization or TNR just has not got up and rolling in their town. And so anything that veterinarians can do can play a huge part. And I know lots of veterinarians that do try to help their clients that are working colonies, and every veterinarian does as much as they can. You know, it's hard for veterinarians because they work a lot of hours, and it's hard sometimes to find that time to volunteer. But every little bit, you know, even if it's one person who you help them do a cat that needs some care is going to make, is going to make a huge impact.
1: I've had the privilege of knowing a couple of students who've gone through the program and have become veterinarians. One of them was actually one of our coordinators of the Sunday Spay Neuter Clinic, and then another one had, I think, volunteered at the local MSPCA for quite a long period of time. And I just want to thank you for running a great program and encouraging both of these individuals for making it through the process. I never thought that they would work so hard to become veterinarians I mean, obviously, they did a lot of work, too, but the shelter medicine program, I'm sure, helped inspire them to strive to become veterinarians.
0: Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, some of our best students have come to those kind of venues where they grew up around working in shelters, some of them running shelters, running our programs, and they really come in, they're able to hit the ground running, so it's been really exciting to see now after eight years some, some of these students come through and then go on to either work in this field or to make a difference um,
1: if people were interested in finding out more about your program or the coming school at tufts university how would they find you
0: if you go to tufts.edu backslash vet you can get to our website you can navigate around the shelter medicine program website actually just got a grant to be updated so we'll have new and exciting things but there's a lot of information online about and there is some information about volunteering, and certainly people can get a hold of me if they have questions they are
1: interested in going to
0: that school, like some of your volunteers you've had before, or they have questions
1: about our work. Dr. McCobb, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. It's
0: just it's been an honor and a privilege to work in this area and part of the country in what a transformational impact they can have. And so I just hope that we continue to get that message out there and see other parts of the country see the same results that we've seen here.
1: So with that, I will ask one final question then. If you look out five to ten years from now, what do you see life being like for Community Cats?
0: I think we're always going to have a role for PNR because We've seen in areas where we've backed off a little bit because we thought we had done the job and then they come right back. So I think we always need to be on the lookout for what can happen if it's not in place. But overall, I mean, my vision is that all cats will be in palms and I think that a place where we can get there. Like we've seen what happens in your shelter when you have empty cages. Hopefully we'll be in much more of an equilibrium and much less crisis management. And then we'll be able to turn more towards pet owners that need help, that would like to keep those cats that are at risk of becoming community cats but actually have good homes. We'd like to encourage people to keep those cats. Cats should not be treated as a disposable item or as an item you leave behind when you move. I remember Esther Meckler used to talk about how it's really good to be rare. So the fewer cats we have, I think that's going to increase their value. And hopefully we'll see a societal shift so that half are valued for the treasure that they are and we have much less crisis
1: intervention. But I think we can get there. So Dr. McCobb, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. And hopefully we can have you on in the future. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. <coughs>